You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Holly Randall Unfiltered is sponsored by Twisties. Twisties is the ultimate lesbian glamour erotica website. It is the website that I have shot for the longest. I have produced some of my best content for them, and they are definitely your go-to place for beautifully shot, believable scenes between the hottest industry stars of today. So many of my guests that you've heard on the show, I have shot for Twisties. And so if you want to look up any of my guests' girl-girl work, twisties.com is the place to go. Their Twisties treat of the month is the most carefully curated solo scenes and girl-girl scenes that showcase the best and the brightest in the porn industry. So make sure that you support my show by supporting my sponsors. And please, go and visit twisties.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn. Because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today's guest is not only this week's interview, but she is also hollyrandall.com's bombshell of the month. I am referring, of course, to the amazing Brooklyn Gray. Now, if you guys haven't heard it, I did a mini interview with her at the AVN show not last year, obviously, because of the pandemic, but the year before that. And she was just amazing. This girl is brilliant. This girl is filthy. She is all of these qualities that we so cherish in one of our guests. So I was really excited to have her come on for a full-length interview. And she did not disappoint. Honestly, I felt like we could have gone on so much longer, but, you know, we got to end the show sometime. This is a fantastic interview. We talk about all kinds of stuff, her experiences with BDSM, her interest in kinks such as water sports, as we call it politely, also known as pissing if we want to just be blunt about it. But Brooklyn is just one of those girls who's really able to describe her perverted nature in such an eloquent way that I think she can make even the most vanilla of us relate. So Without any further ado, let's welcome Brooklyn Gray to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Today, I have the incredible, the indisputable, the bombshell of the month for May Brooklyn Gray. Hi, Holly. I'm so excited to be back for a full-length podcast this time. I know. So for those of you who aren't aware, I did do a mini interview with Brooklyn at the AVN show, um, not last year because we were in a pandemic, but the year before that. And it's a really, really great one. Um, And I knew after I did that interview that I had to have her come in for a full-length interview because she's so smart and funny and insightful and kinky and pervy and all of the wonderful <laughs> things that we love in our guests. So she's back. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to have you here because I've always, you know, I remember the first time we met, uh, we were shooting at a location in Beverly Hills and you showed up to set and you were wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt. And I was like, this girl, I love this girl. And I shot it with Jenna Fox and it was amazing. And I 
I tell people about that shoot all the time because she and I, that was the girl crush. So it was like, Mm -hmm. who do you want to work with? Why? Little interview. There's some sort of like um, connection to some degree. But she and I had never met before that shoot. And then we met on that set and now we're really close friends. I was actually just with her yesterday. So that was, that was a catalyst to a really wonderful friendship, which was a super cool thing to happen coming from a set. Yeah. Jenna's, uh, Jenna's a lot of fun. Jenna has also been bombshell of the month, um, last year, I think late last year. So we love Jenna. Um, so Brooklyn, I guess let's, um, I'm going to kind of start with the question that I ask most of my guests just because it's, uh, the one question that everybody kind of wants to know and usually leads into some interesting stories. How did you get started in the adult industry? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, I was prior to moving to LA, I was living in Chicago and I was kind of in limbo. I was, I Majored in musical theater in college for a hot second, um, not for very long, but I had always kind of had it in the back of my mind that porn sounded like something that I might be interested in doing, might want to do. I was like telling people when I was like 16 that I was like, hey, maybe I'll do this one day. And no one really believed me because I don't know. People are like, oh, I'm going to be a stripper. Oh, I'm going to do porn. Everyone takes it pretty lightly. But I was in Chicago. I had dropped out of school because I was not enjoying the school environment. And I was kind of like doing a few things in between trying to figure out where I wanted to be. And then I was like, you know, I've always had this idea. And maybe I should try to pursue it. So I created a social, I created a Twitter and I kind of found the sex work community through Twitter. I like found OnlyFans girls and found people who were like camming and like selling content. And I kind of wanted to jump in head first. And I found some people who were shooting real hardcore mainstream porn. And so I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, I would really like to try this. And I got hooked up with my first shoot, which was one of those like very exploitative new girl shoots. Everyone does their first one. It's a little seedy, but I ended up really liking it and I shot and then I ended up flying out to Vegas and doing a lump sum of shoots. And then I came to LA and I never ended up leaving. Hmm. What was that first scene like? Were you nervous going into it? Can you say maybe who you worked with? Yeah, um, it was in Arizona. It was for exploited college girls. <laughs> so <it laughs> so was, when you said it was an exploitative <laughs> shoot, like literally like, it was actually, an exploitative shoot. Let me, who, who's this, how, where's this girl? How young is she? And how can we exploit her? Um, I was actually really excited for my first shoot. I was not nervous at all. I was really stoked. Um, actually it's a funny story and I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody, but I was still, um, so I was living in Chicago and then I moved back home for a short period of time while I was like in between apartments and I ended up getting my first shoot when I was at home and I had to tell my parents that I was doing something completely different and I actually pulled it off, which is like wild to me because my parents were kind of on top of me as a kid. but. So I made it out to Arizona under the radar and I did this shoot and I honestly don't remember who the talent was. I don't know if it's someone that's still industry or like does a lot of mainstream. I know those sites kind of sometimes have random guys here and there, but, um, Mm. I was really excited. I, I came with my suitcase already. I brought all my slutty clothes and I I guess that I thought it was going to be more high end. And when I got there, I realized like what it was and it was totally fine. But the one thing that I didn't realize, which I guess this is where the exploitation part comes in. I had no idea that they didn't cut anything. Like when you do a normal scene, they'll cut out the parts that shouldn't be in, you know, and they'll, they'll make you look good to some degree. Stop 
for lube or whatever. Yeah, just in general, you know, and they posted the entire thing. So I'm definitely, there's some moments that are just like not super fun to watch and definitely not super fun for me to know that are on the internet, but not the end of the world. And from that, I ventured out into more bigger and better things and more comfortable sets. But that was kind of my first introduction. Um, But everyone was really nice and everyone, I, I felt safe. And I felt cared for to some degree, so I can't really complain. What was your first scene that you did that you really felt like, okay, this is kind of more of like the mainstream porn industry. This feels a little bit more high end, as you said, this feels like an industry that I want to really pursue a career in. I feel like I have two different answers to that question because my first actual mainstream shoot, not including that one, definitely I had a better idea of maybe what to expect going forward and an idea of how sets ran. So there was the first set that I was on that was kind of op- that operated true to a normal, like a set that I'm on every day now. Um, and I think that was for. It was either a team skeet or it was a porn pros. So I was out of Vegas and I remember being on that set and like learning about girly stuff and learning about how to pose for pretty girls and learning just how it works on a, on a, on a regular set. The other one, Exploited College Girls was very much like, I know this girl is coming in and she has no idea what she's walking into. Let's make sure that like she's good and get going. Whereas on a normal set, you assume that two people are coming to set that have a rundown of what's going on, um, understand what they need to do. And um, actually my first, first mainstream um, shoot was my first girl, girl, which is kind of funny because I feel like most girls start out with a boy girl. Um, my second one was mm. a boy girl, but it was a girl girl and I never shot girl girl before, obviously. And I remember I wanted to do a really good scene, but I, I guess I had an idea of how to have porno sex with a man, but I wasn't sure how to have porno sex with a woman. Cause if I ever watched lesbian porn, it was amateur real porn and like I understand how to open up for a camera when you're getting fucked with a dick but it's different when you're working with a woman I didn't know how to open up I wasn't sure like what positions are good for camera I feel like it's harder to a degree if you don't know what you're getting into like everyone knows mish doggy spoon like I can do all of the boy girl positions but going in I was like I don't know what to do for camera for a girl girl so I had to be walked through it and it ended up being a nice scene. I worked with, um, what was her name? Mia something. Hmm? Nope. It's not going to come to me, but she was really, really kind and she helped me out and it it was a really great day. Oh, and then wait, you know, I'm glad that my other tangent was the first set that I was like, man, I really want to be in this industry. I love this was, uh, swallowed.com. They are one of my favorite sets to be on because you go into the bathroom and they have everything for you. Everything that you think you might need and even things that you might not think you need, they have it there. Everyone treats you like an absolute princess. Your feet don't touch the floor without like someone handing you water, someone handing you a towel, like getting everything you need. And I remember feeling... I feel so happy on those sets. You get to help pick out your outfit. You're really well taken care of. They make sure you look good, feel good. So that was a set that I was like, man, I love being here. That was also pretty early on in my career. And I, I've worked for them many times since then. And it's, it's, I've garnered a really wonderful relationship with them. So that's cool. Yeah. You touched on like two things that I kind of wanted to elaborate on or comment on a little bit. So the first thing about like your first girl, girl actually being more difficult than your first boy, girl. And my God, that is so true. It's actually much harder to shoot a girl, girl scene with an inexperienced girl than a boy, girl scene. Um, getting the positions where you can see 
the face and the vagina and the tongue is is tricky you know with a penis like you've got yeah. some length there that creates like separation between the bodies and especially if you're working with like an experienced guy he usually knows how to position the girl to kind of like get all the shots that oh, you yeah. need but with a girl girl it can be really tricky because it's like you gotta like lick sideways kind of like you can see you know what i mean like you can see the tongue yeah and, and, and it's also like tr- transitioning between positions too yeah because I, I i feel like if especially like if you don't know what what you're doing or what's going on like it's not just like you're not just sitting there eating pussy you're like having to switch positions and like doing the wraparounds and the spoons and it's like the doggy it's it's much harder to open up and i feel like it it the flow is much less efficient when you're not both on the same page and with it. Whereas a boy girl, like you said, a guy can position a girl in the right way and have it be good to go. Like my first boy girl that I did, the guy was definitely helping me out and like had to move me. And you don't have that luxury when you're doing a girl girl, you kind of both have to be on the ball. So the fact that that was my first mainstream shoot, I was very intimidated, but like I said, it ended up being a great day. And now I love doing girl, girl. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing you said about being on the swallow set and like being taken care of, I think that that's so important. You know, I also too like try to have everything on set that someone might need. Um, I used to do slippers and we stopped doing that, but maybe since you said, you know, your feet didn't touch the floor, I feel now like I got to bring the slipper <laughs> game back in. But, you know, I think, um, I think like little touches like that go a really long way, making the performer feel like they're taken care of, that like everything they might need is there, that they're, um, you know, being treated well, they're being attended to, they feel safe, they feel sexy, they feel heard. I think that's really important too. Um, and so that's, that's something I definitely strive for because I feel like, you know, my mom always taught me like, you're only as good as your model feels. That was like her kind of, um, motto. And I found that's that to be so great true. motto. Yeah. I wish that more people worked by that motto. I remember I was just recently on a set of yours and I looked at your box of things, <laughs> which has yeah. everything that someone could need. And I, I actually said something about it. I was, I always appreciate so much when I'm on a set and they have generally something. It doesn't need to be everything. Like Swallowed goes above and beyond and that's wonderful, but I don't expect everyone to do that. But it's cool when someone at least has like, the basics like I've been on a set and needed I had like an allergy problem in a set house and no one had like a Zyrtec or a Benadryl actually I had a set that I broke out in hives because we were outside and no one had Benadryl I was like you guys are gonna shoot us outside and no one has Benadryl that's I feel like that's That's, something that we might need to have I've had someone not even I always so important yeah it's like it's a health thing I've, I always bring my own mm-hmm. enemas to set if I'm doing anal, but I forgot one one day and they didn't have any. And I was like, this is like the, actually the only thing that I need this here is a today. Disaster. Like, <laughs> someone had to run and go get enemas. Yeah. And I was like, basic necessities, baby wipes, enema, douche bottle, um, I don't know. There's also, you probably have a better idea, but there's just, it feels so nice to walk onto a set and without even, I don't even have to talk to anybody. If I see that there are things there for my accommodation and my health, I feel better already right off the bat. I'm like, okay, these people care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's so important. Um, even like the basic stuff, like food, like it blows my mind how people don't have food on set. Like we, have so much food. I'm always like, we need vegan, we need non-gluten, we need snacks, we need like vegetarian. I mean, how can you expect people to work 12 hour days? Because porn doesn't do overtime and they don't do catering because we don't have the budget for it. Like bring food for your people. It's crazy to me. Yeah. That's the other thing. I hate being on sets that last, if I'm there for hours and hours on end, it's one thing if I'm in and out within a couple hours, whatever yeah. i always bring like my mike quasar cannot have that mike quasar yeah. cannot have food on set because you're only there for like two hours so that's fine yeah and it's fine yeah amazing <gasps> love that um 
But yeah, having snacks on set is, I think, really important. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just me, but like I've been on set for 12, 13 hours at a time and been given like a granola bar. And I'm like, this is a lot for a granola bar. <laughs> I need a little more help. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Brooklyn's Bombshell of the Month shoot, her Twisties Treat of the Month shoot, and her very uh, interesting, sexy kink fetishes. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. Hey, guys, it's spring, and that means time for spring cleaning, which doesn't have to end with our physical spaces. With no unnecessary fillers or artificial flavors in Care Of's products, you can feel good about what you're putting in your body. Yes, I am here to remind you once again to take your vitamins, and I'm also here to remind you of how easy Care Of makes prioritizing your health. You know, I have to admit, I fell off taking my vitamins for a few weeks. I just got busy and I kept forgetting. But I'm back on my regime and I feel so much better, which makes me wonder, like, why did I stop? But as you know, we are only human and sometimes these things happen. And you know what's so great about Care Of's customer service? They send me an email reminding me that I'm due a new box soon, and since I had fallen off my vitamin taking schedule, I was able to easily delay my box a few weeks so I could catch back up. I just love how convenient this vitamin subscription service is. To get started, all you need to do is take their easy five-minute online quiz and they will set you up with a supplement package that is tailored to your specific needs. It takes the guessing out of the vitamin game and I just love that. And right now, they are running a special just for my listeners. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code HOLLY50. That's 50% off your first order. Go to takecareof.com and use my code HOLLY50. Okay, we are back. So Brooklyn, you recently did two shoots that, um, it's funny, both were produced by me, but neither one was shot by me. (laughs) But they were both amazing shoots. And um, I guess let's start with the Twisties Treat of the Month shoot. And just to explain to our audience, because a lot of you know her, um, Eva uh, shot you for Twisties Treat of the Month. Um, She's rebranded as Stella Smut, just FYI. So if you guys are looking for her online, that's her new brand. Um, But yeah, so she did your Twisties Treat of the Month shoot, which was quite a feat to pull off i remember getting the script and being like oh fucking shit they want like these huge swaths of fabric like draped from like the ceiling and it was a whole thing to get the location and and set everything up and i felt really bad too because like after or when they were on set i realized like you should have had an art director on set because like there was a lot to do and and her and jordan and everybody yeah, else that had was to a do hefty it. job yeah, it was too much. They should have had an art director. And I felt bad it, afterwards. I was like, you guys should have had more people. That was my bad. I should have insisted on that. But um, but tell me about the shoot because it came out like every... fucking amazing. Oh, I just watched the whole tr- the solo montage bit and it looks absolutely beautiful. I like mm could not have accounted for how beautifully this came out. I, I like want to share it all over the internet. It's just not safe for work. So I can't put clips on Instagram, but um, that was a really incredible experience. And like you said, there was so much that went into it and being there that day, it was a two day shoot. The first one was just the girl girl, which was awesome because it was skateboard themed and I actually do skateboard and I felt like it was very much my vibe and very grungy very there was it was in a graffitied warehouse like dirty grimy was so here for everything I got to work with Ayla Donovan who was also lovely my first time meeting her and she is so sweet and so wonderful to perform with um but the second day was when everything needed to happen in terms of art direction So needless to say, it was a very long day, (laughs) but I'm surprised. But it couldn't, it couldn't be too long. 
Well, because you guys couldn't go over 12 hours. Otherwise, the overtime was like insane. I was like, Eva, like, don't go over fucking 12 hours. Oh, yeah. It was like $300 an hour. And they are the kind of people that, no joke, if you go one minute over overtime, one fucking minute, they will charge you the whole hour. They never give you a break. They're really strict about that. So I was like, this needs to be done in 12 hours. So they really yeah, we we if it was twelve hours, we were definitely there for a full twelve hours. There's no oh, yeah. way we we wrapped sooner than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I just remember we were starting the day, and I was upstairs. Rosalinda did my makeup, and I was getting out wardrobe, and I could I hadn't worked with that crew yet, and I could kind of tell that everyone was was trying to tackle a lot and trying to figure out how the fuck we were supposed to do or they were supposed to do all of that in in an empty warehouse and I was trying to make it easier for people I know that my outfits needed to be picked out so I like laid out all my outfits and um I know that Eva now Stella was supposed to come upstairs and like help me pick out my outfit but it was taking a little longer than it was supposed to downstairs so I thought it was being really helpful and I grabbed a couple outfits and I went downstairs and I was like Hey, I don't know if this is going to make it easier for you, but which one do you want to see on me? And I could tell that everyone was flustered because she was like, I need you to go back upstairs. Like, I'll be with you in a moment, but this is a lot more than I think we all expected. So I was watching everyone work their asses off to to make this huge fantasy of a set a reality. And they did. And, um... Just watching it happen was was really cool and really inspiring because it's I I didn't even think that that would be possible. I, they I had seen pictures of what um they got on the script what it was supposed to look like and I was expecting it to be a good enough version. I saw how daunting it looked to mm. set up and when I came downstairs and it was fully set up, I was truly blown away. The the lighting was mm. incredible. The the sheer fabric coming down in all different places was so cool. And um, the first look I got to be on a stage. So they set up, they built this entire stage and draped the fabrics down. And I got to play in the fabrics. And it felt, it felt really good being up on that stage and having what it felt like stage lights and I it, the lights were so bright up there that I couldn't even see what was going on in the rest of the warehouse. So it kind of felt like I was in a different reality for a moment. It was very surreal, which was very cool. Um, there was a lot of fabric that day. There was fabric with the first look, and then there was fabric that came off of my actual corset in the third look. And then I was tied up in ribbon for the third look. It was-, it was a very fabric-forward day. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like five hundred dollars in fabric. Like the, the cost oh, is insane. I yeah, and I, you know, I have to say, I'm so glad that actually you ended up getting that concept because you are an incredible mover. Um, I, I, you have a dance background, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, you can tell, and the way that you moved was so gorgeous and really made the set work because, you know, and as much as it went into it, like you said, with like fabrics and lights and stuff, there actually wasn't really much to the set, you know, except for like the, the dramatic fabric and the light. So there wasn't like a bunch of props and like couches and things for you to work on. So it really was very focused on you and the way that you moved. And, um, I think if it had been anybody else, it would have been a waste of a set. And that's happened so many times where, you know, we put all this money and effort into building this really beautiful setup. And then the person that we shoot in that setup just doesn't have like the body confidence, the body awareness, just doesn't really like have like what it takes to really make that work. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it just ends up kind of being, it's also hard to try to take Yeah, it's also, I mean, obviously body confidence and all that plays into it, but I feel like it's also really hard to bring life to a, an overwhelming but stagnant space. It's a lot to look at and there's, 
what is right in front of you is larger than life, but there's not much to it. Like you said. Yeah. Everything about the set is about framing you and your movements, you know, as, as opposed to it, like being a really cool looking bedroom set or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's really, everything is to frame you. And so like, if you weren't able to kind of bring that energy and that grace to that, it just would have like not really worked. So, so I have to say, and I said the same thing to Stella, um, when I was looking at the video, I was like, I'm so grateful it was Brooklyn because this would have been a waste on anybody else. So it just worked out perfectly. Thank you so much. Oh, that makes me feel so good inside. (laughs) I also am really glad that I got that concept because I don't think that anyone has showcased me in a way that felt, in a way that feels honest to me. Mm. And this shoot was a perfect example of that. I, I got to, like I said, the skater girl thing was totally up my vibe. The location totally up my alley and being able to, incorporate some of my dance background and and fill the space with movement is something that I always enjoy and appreciate. And I I had a really great time with that. And I think I was, it was very truthful to me, which doesn't happen very often. Right. Right. Um, Okay. Let's talk about your bombshell of the month interview or bombshell of the month shoot. I know you did an interview as well. Um, which you guys can go see on my YouTube channel, by the way. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that because I know that you and Stella kind of um, collaborated a little bit on that concept um, or on both concepts. So so tell me yeah. about those. That was really fun. I am so excited for those looks to come out. I know this podcast will be released later so it'll probably be released at the same time but in this moment it has not been released yet so I have not seen it and um I did get to collaborate for the two looks which is super fun because I don't usually get to do that either and I loved them because again they're both very honest and truthful to me but they're completely they completely juxtapose each other they're almost stark opposites but I, I appreciated bringing life to both of them. The first one, um, I am a huge fan of colors in general. I like bright colors. I like cutesy, kawaii. Like my entire apartment basically just looks like a kindergarten classroom. Love colors, love cutesy things. So it was a whole candy inspired look. And I also love sugary, sweet phallic objects. So... I had a lot of lollipops, a lot of things to put in my mouth, and I was surrounded by colors, wearing colors, um, super, super cutesy. I saw a couple uh, previews of the photos in the camera lens, and I think that shoot's going to be really cute. Um, And the second one, totally opposite. I was wrapped in caution tape, and we ended up finding this, like, metal scaffolding ladder and a metal chair and we wrapped everything in chains and caution tape and all I was wearing was caution tape and black panties and black boots holding chains chains around my neck so it's very you go from something that's so full of life and and vibrant to something that's it makes you go oh this is this is cool. Much, much darker, much more confined, I guess. I don't know if that's a great word for it. It makes sense in my head. But you see this person in an almost caricature version of themselves, and then you see them bound and much more polished um, and doing something completely different. All right, guys, we're going to take one last commercial break and then we will be right back and we're going to get into kinky sex fetishes and Brooklyn's first professional dom experience. So stick around. 
This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news that you guys have all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man. So what makes this trimmer different from all the other trimmers? It has a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for people who like to be on the move. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. This new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. And looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-toned matte and gloss finish and it even features a hot foil stamped black chrome manscaped logo. This is one slick looking ball trimmer guys. So join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code holly at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code holly at manscaped.com. All right, everybody, we are back. So let's get it right into it. Brooklyn, you are well known for having some pretty kinky sex fetishes, which I think <laughs> that you have been exploring more as of late. So tell us a little bit about like some of your kinks and maybe why you enjoy them so much. Oh, wow. That question really opens a lot of doors. <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's see. I I have been really getting into um a lot of BDSM style kinks and I've always I've always been really open in terms of what I'm willing to do sexually. Like even before I realized what kind of kinky things I'm into, I was always I would always go into sex with the mindset of I will try just about anything once and if I don't like it, I never have to do it again. There are certain things that I completely draw the line and I won't try, but there it's definitely less than a handful of things. But being in this industry and being with partners who are more comfortable in their sexuality and open with their kinks and sexuality, it's been it's been a huge eye opener for me to just be around these people and to to see what people are doing that are sexual but aren't really sexual if that makes sense. Like sex is so much more than penetration or, or orgasm or what you think of typical vanilla sex as. Sex is also any sort of BDSM relationship, um, energy exchange, or like bondage is sex to a degree. That's a type of sex that's just being tied up and being restrained. And um, my biggest things, I, I love to be tied up. I like I like to be very submissive. I have had experiences where I have been the more dominant one. And while I enjoy and appreciate those moments, it doesn't come as naturally to me as being um, very submissive. But aside from being spanked and like being choked and being told to do things, I have delved more into my BDSM subside and I'm learning that I'm finding so many things that I didn't know that I was into. Like the first thing that comes to mind, I don't know why it's the first thing, but like puppy play. I I love puppy play, like train me like I'm a puppy and put me in a dog crate. And it's I what is it for me? I love positive reinforcement. And I appreciate when <laughs> doesn't everybody? <laughs> and I love Yeah, but that's such like a, a a one an unexpected example of such a thing. <laughs> well, okay, yes, but you get that negative energy and you get that I'm gonna tell you what to do you're going to do as I say, or you're going to be punished. But when you do a good thing, it's like, oh my God, you're so good. And there's something that feels so good about validation and positive reinforcement. So I think a lot of BDSM stuff comes down to, comes down to, to that. Like what, um, 
I want to say, what do you need inside? It's, you know what? I'm going to stop there. It is a, it's a, what you need inside. Like sometimes I want to be trained like a puppy and told that I'm doing a really good job and maybe like treated poorly if I am disobedient. But that also goes for, um, I'm a huge masochist and I enjoy it when people beat the shit out of me consensually and when I'm in the mood for it. But sometimes that is what I need. Sometimes I don't need positive reinforcement. I don't need to be told how good I am. Sometimes I want to, I want to feel physical pain and that is a huge release for me in a lot of ways. So BDSM kind of, um, It gives you this safe space where you can talk to the the deepest parts of yourself and give that part of you what you need. Because like I'm not gonna go to I'm not gonna go to the grocery store, hang up by myself, and like get that positive reinforcement that I need, or like feel physical pain, or being deprived of senses or deprived of attention. Like that's something that is is deeply needed and can only be given and found in a safe space, like a kink space. So I know that you've got some other kinks as well. Uh, What we would refer to in the industry as, I guess, water sports is something else that you're into, which basically is like playing with pee, I guess is the best way to put it, right? How would you describe it to people? Yeah, absolutely. I think of it as just piss play, how whatever that means to you. I have so many piss fantasies. Um, I've since I've been in the industry, I've found out that that is something that I'm very much interested in, and I think that that comes from a place of that comes from a very submissive place. Like I, I enjoy being consensually degraded, humiliated, that whole thing. So that's a for me when someone wants to piss on me or in me in any one of my many fun holes um i like to feel used i like to feel wanted in some way that isn't conventional i guess um but i'm actually in a new relationship with our friend stella smut and she is also very much into those things She's very much into water sports and BDSM, but speaking of water sports specifically, I've never been with someone who likes it as much as I do. And it's really cool to have new experiences with it where like it's reciprocated. Like I've had people piss in my mouth or piss on me and that's all fun and dandy. It's better when someone actually wants to do it. Not as fun when I just ask for it. But now I have someone who not only wants to piss on me, but also wants to be pissed on. And so I'm having fun switch flipping the script and having it being given and received on both ends. So where do you think that that comes from? Because I've like, I've never engaged in that. Um, have I? I don't think I have, but I, I, I definitely see the draw of it. Cause I, I also like being degraded in bed. I mean, honestly, these days I'm so fucking vanilla. Um, just cause I'm like older and I have a baby, but like back in the day I was really into that. And I would always kind of think about like, why do I enjoy these things? Because, you know, in my day to day life, I am pretty strong. I run my own business. I have employees, like I'm very much like in charge of everything. And so when it comes to being in the bedroom, I kind of like flipping that script and I like somebody else being in charge or something very freeing about it. But also like, why do, why do I love being degraded? Like, because, and I'm sure you'll agree, if you take those things out of context, if someone just walked up to you on the street and pissed on you, you'd like punch them in the face. Right. But in that consensual safe space or something, well, there's really a huge erotic difference. About it. Yeah. But yeah. Why do you think that is, is the most important part of any, yeah. You know, this is something that fascinates me and has always fascinated me. I I really wish that I could if I was interested enough to like go to school for psychology, I would absolutely write some sort of dissertation on trauma throughout a lifetime and how that specifically correlates to your kinkiest sexual desires because I think that a lot of that comes from shit that's in your head 
for whatever reason. I think that a, a lot of deg degradatory and humiliating things um, come from wanting to to be exposed to that inner dialogue that's in your head from an external source. At least that's a big one for me. Like if I'm like being really shitty to myself in my head all the time, it's a lot nicer, I guess, to hear it from someone else and to like hear it with your ears and not just with your thoughts. Um, and it's, it's relieving. Like if I am feeling really bad at myself, if I'm like depressed or like having a lot of intrusive thoughts or whatever, and going through a weird time in my head, if I go to someone and I like pay a dom to beat the shit out of me and tell me all these terrible things about myself that I'm telling myself, but I don't hear outside of it. I feel like I get it out. Like it's, it's in your head and it's trapped in your head and it's just like whirring around in there. But once it's out, there is a, it's a bigger space for it and it leaves you alone. You know what I mean? That's, and it, yeah. That's so interesting. I never thought about it like that, but that makes a lot of sense because I too am very hard on myself. And I often talk to myself in a way that's not nice. And I, I've i always wondered why I enjoy being – because also, too, like, I only enjoy being degraded in bed if I know you don't mean it. Do you know what I mean? That it's only, well, like, yeah. a play Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So – Yeah. Yeah, it makes it it makes it more playful. Um, and also, I think a huge part of, of kink and BDSM in general, at least on – a submissive side. Um, I can't speak for the sadist side because I don't identify, but um, at least from a submissive side, I feel like, oh my God, my thought just left my head. What was the last thing that you just said? I'm so sorry. Uh, just uh, oh, wondering wait, it came back to me. You know, so why sorry. we enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of the thing with BDSM is that it gives you a safe consensual space to experience things that have oppressed you in some way and to find power in those things. Hmm. So I, I think yeah, that's that a very good example of that. You're kind of like forced to, to hear this bad dialogue about yourself in your head when you're being really hard on yourself or you're not feeling great for one reason or another. And when you take something that oppresses you in that way and you get it out and someone else does it to you and you get all of that energy out into a bigger space, it's no longer as oppressive. It's you have taken power over it. You have the power instead of those thoughts having the power. Yeah. It's like how something only has power over you if it's a secret. If you like tell it to somebody else or you get it out and you talk about it, it no longer holds that power over you. Yeah. That that's sense. actually a perfect way to put it. Yeah. So that's why I love actually working in this industry um, among the many reasons, but like human psychology is so complex and and strange and it, it, is, it doesn't manifest itself in it manifests itself in a way through sexuality that it doesn't in other ways. And so it's really interesting to kind of like see what different kinks people are into and kind of try to unpack why they're into those kinks and how that relates to their own personal psychology, their, their past, their traumas, their personality. It's just such a, like an yeah. interesting thing. So I love you, asking people what kind of kinks they're into for that reason. I'm like, what have you been through? What kind of a person are you? I want to know what you're into because then I can start to dissect from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's talk about you. So you had your first professional dom experience where you actually went to a professional yes. dom who um, did their thing with you. So tell us about that. That was absolutely the highlight of this recent year. Um, Stella got me a session as my birthday present and we actually did it together, which was very cool and, and felt a little safer. Um, I liked that I got to experience it with someone because I wasn't really sure what I was walking into. Like I had an idea of what was going to happen, but it was also a completely unfamiliar experience to me. And I 
went to this dungeon and um the dom's name is sir rucifer rucifer is wonderful magical amazing he could beat the shit out of me anytime um but he's this very intense masculine energy and we got there and we kind of went over boundaries what we want to feel what we are okay with not okay with and he asked me a couple questions at the beginning that I I knew that I wanted to go in and feel pain and I knew that I wanted to be submissive and I knew like I know what I like but he asked me some questions that made me think a, a little bit deeper into that because he I was telling him what I wanted I was telling him oh I I want pain like I want this kind of pain but not this kind of pain I want to feel dehumanized in this way and he was like what emotion do you want to feel by the end of this and I was like that I don't know like it's it's interesting talking to someone who does it professionally because there's so much more um there's so much emotional what's the word I'm looking for I guess there's just so much emotion and vulnerability that goes into it. It's so much more than just someone hitting you. And I, I think that this made me realize that more than I had in the past. And um, I told him what I wanted. And then I took my clothes off. He taught me six slave positions. So one, two, three, four, five, six, names a number. You get there. You do it. And then he'll do his thing. So right off the bat, I was being taught and told to do these things. I was fully naked, which makes it so much more vulnerable, obviously. And <laughs> oh man, there's just so much that happened. I'm like reeling, still thinking about it. I ah, oh, how do I even put this into words? Um, how did we start? After I took my clothes off, I think he used me as a piece of furniture for a little bit and he hit me with a number of different things. There was one point, there was one thing that comes to mind specifically, which is like pretty hardcore, but I think was my favorite part of the session. He tied something around my neck that was sort of noose-like and pulled it pretty taut and took a blade, like a three or four inch blade and like traced my skin with it and was just telling me that. I needed to be careful because if I moved, I could get seriously injured. And there's something about feeling unsafe, but in a ultimately safe space. I love, I don't know why that does it for me. That's something I need to unpack with myself, but I like feeling like I'm in immediate danger. But again, knowing that I'm safe. Um, and I was, I was completely a submissive. He walked me on a leash outside so that he could smoke a cigarette and ash in my mouth and then walked me wow. yeah <laughs> that was the first time anyone had ashed in my mouth and I have since done it many times I also like that um walked me back inside on a leash and told me to like bend over a sat like a, a spanking bench and he used a cane on me what fun things did I use I got to be hit with a cane which I never was hit with a cane before I he used a flogger which I'd been hit by a flogger but not like that um the blade oh he put a plastic bag over my head so that I was completely suffocated that I think was the scariest thing that happened again safe and if I had called out my safe word it would have been fine but there was a point where I was hung not hung but pulled taut noose like with a plastic bag over my head and there were there were a few moments where I really couldn't breathe I was actually suffocated and that was the closest thing I've had to feeling truly out of control which was a new and interesting experience it's it's interesting because going into this, I knew that I was going to be very submissive and I was going to give all of this power to somebody. But it's so interesting to go into a space and put your life in the hands of an absolute stranger and feel comfortable enough mm -hmm. with that and find pleasure in that. 
And I also like that experience because I can have partners or people that I film content with do those things to me anytime I want. But I like that there's a disconnect in there's a disconnect um from any sort of emotional connection. This person I don't know. This person is a complete stranger to me and all that they're there to do is to dominate me in the ways that I want. And so there's no expectations, there's no emotional ties, there's no sexual contact whatsoever. And you're just literally handing someone the most vulnerable parts of yourself and letting them play with it like it's a toy. And then you go home and you probably don't talk to them again. We've since talked because I am an attention whore and I like to show him when I have marks <laughs> from any other experience I have. But it was a very new experience. It was, it was a BDSM experience in a way that I've never, I've never been in a space like that before. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Sounds like it. It's a lot. I mean, it sounds like fun. There's definitely a lot of things there that I would not, I, I don't think I could have pushed myself that far, but um, I had a, a boyfriend who was um, a professional dom and we did a lot of BDSM stuff. We were together for about a year, but there was, there was a lot of things that he wanted me to do that I wasn't comfortable with. And we eventually hit a wall kind of where I was like, mm. I'm like this, I've had enough. And he was like, can we get a sex slave? And I was like, nah. And he's like, but if we get a sex slave, can, like, he, it was so funny the way he tried to talk me into it. He was like, but if we get a sex slave, she can like be like your assistant for free and like run errands for you and stuff. And I was like, nah, <laughs> but I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a totally <laughs> different vibe. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my first relationship right now that I guess I would classify as a BDSM relationship because I feel like when you're into this kind of stuff and you're letting it translate into your relationship, mm-hmm. it's totally a completely different lifestyle. Like Mm. I have obviously like Stella and I are like normal. Most of the time we have like normal couple experiences. Like it's, it's very wholesome and wonderful. And like you get everything, all the relationship things, not just the BDSM part. But when you're in a BDSM relationship, Mm. there are opportunities to go really far. And like, we're currently exploring like maybe some sort of openness. And like, like I said, going back to puppy play, like, I could just be a pet for a couple of days, like not necessarily be a partner, but be a pet for a couple of days and be put in a crate and being treated like that for a mm-hmm. few days. And also I, we've talked about um, lending each other out to be borrowed by people and then coming back. Like it's, there's a whole lot that goes into it um, aside from like the things that you want to experience in the bedroom, you know? It's yeah. a whole different. It's a uh, it's a much more like, ser- yeah, it's a much more cerebral kind of intimacy. Yes, um, it's yeah, definitely absolutely. very different than like your typical vanilla sex. So, um, Brooklyn, this has been really amazing, um, as I knew it would be. Um, super fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, spending some time with us. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes. Um, I can be found on Instagram at Brooklyn Blows. I can be found on Twitter at Brooklyn Gray XXX. And I can be found on OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash Brooklyn Gray XXX. Same as my Twitter handle, Gray spelled with an A. And for industry professionals, I can now be booked personally through my new booking email at bookbrooklyngray at gmail.com. And guys, just so you know, when she says that she means literally like professional adult companies, not random guys who think she escorts because she doesn't. So I do not. uh, That's for industry professionals only. Yes. If you are a fan who would like to talk to me, my OnlyFans is the best place to do that. I'm always online chatting, but I will not respond to your emails letting you know that now. Yeah. Fair enough. I think that's fair (laughs) enough. And you guys can find me on 
Instagram, and on Twitter at Holly Randall. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, where we will be doing a bonus Q&A with Brooklyn right after this. Um, So if you want to get to know her a little bit better, make sure that you join my Patreon where you can access that perk and so many others. And then obviously, um, if you want to see her bombshell of the month content, go to hollyrandall.com or go to my YouTube channel, which maybe you're watching this on my YouTube channel right now, but her, uh, her question bombshell of the month, uh, questions will be there too. I'm, this is like a month where I'm just asking Brooklyn a lot of questions. There's like three different places <laughs> where you can like learn more about Brooklyn, but you're such like an interesting, multifaceted, diverse character that I feel like I can't fit you all into one interview. So for me, it makes Thank sense. Thank you. I like being <laughs> everywhere. Questions are fun. It's, I'm having a great time with you, Holly. <laughs> Thank you. Me as well. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not-safe-for-work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.